Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. It's the national championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game! The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish and Saturday's showdown with number four Clemson. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Eight minutes after five o'clock. How about sunshine and 71 degrees on this Thursday, November the 3rd of 2022. Too bad we can't play a football game tonight. It would be perfect here in South Bend. Saturday might be more of a poncho day at Notre Dame Stadium. We'll get to the weather coming up in a couple of moments. Greatly appreciate you joining me on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. We are also broadcasting live right now on our Twitch app, which you can acquire by getting the Twitch app for free. And just search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We are on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. At 7 o'clock, it's the Marcus Freeman Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One hour of talk from the head coach of the Fighting Irish. And then at 8 o'clock, we turn our attention to the National Football League and Thursday Night Football as the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles are down deep in the heart of Texas to take on the Houston Texans. Kind of interesting. We've got the World Series tonight between Houston and Philadelphia in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is at Houston in the National Football League. Funny how things work out. So Philly fans probably going to have two TVs on tonight. 
watch their undefeated Eagles try to keep that zero in the loss column. Meanwhile, their baseball team kind of up against the ropes a tad bit after last night. It's now a 2-2 series lead, knowing that games six and seven are in Houston, and Justin Verlander is on the mound for the Astros tonight in game five in Philadelphia. Strangely enough, Verlander has never won a game in the World Series dating back to his rookie year when in 2006 with the Detroit Tigers lost games one and the deciding game five of their series against the St. Louis Cardinals. So Verlander looking for his first World Series win tonight. Hard to believe considering how terrific his regular season and, heck, playoff resume has been through the years. So Phillies and Astros in Philadelphia tonight at 8 o'clock, and you've got the Eagles and Texans playing in Houston tonight, and that Texans-Eagles game will come up a couple of times in our We Going to Sizzler sports wagering segment at the end of the program here on WSBT Radio. Of course, we're going to focus on Notre Dame-Clemson. We've got a basketball segment coming up. Mike Bray's basketball team debuted last night as they face Xavier of Louisiana in their lone exhibition game of the year, winning 67-52. to We got our first look at a couple of freshmen that will impact the Irish this year. The guard that we've heard so much about, J.J. Starling from New York, played at Laporte Lalamere, the 6'4 guard. Couldn't get a shot to fall in the first half, finished with a couple of points. And also, Van Allen Lubin, the 6'8 freshman from Orlando, Florida, got in the ball game last night. He's got a big body in there, had a nice block shot. A couple of turnovers, but Lubin is a guy that you expect to come off the bench pretty quickly for this Irish basketball team. Now, last night, they went with a smaller lineup. They started J.J. Starling, Cormac Ryan, the transfer from Niagara, Marcus Hammond, Nate Lashevsky, and Dane Goodwin. And the Irish were out-rebounded by Xavier in last night's game, which is something that's going to be obviously a concern throughout the season. And the first two guys off the bench for the Irish were Trey Wirtz and Lubin. Kind of looks like a seven-man rotation as we get this season underway. Now, a couple of guys were not available. Robbie Carmody and also Tony Sanders Jr., the 6'7 swingman Sanders, hurt his ankle in practice on Tuesday, was in a boot at the game last night. So Sanders was not available, but it was Wirtz and Lubin coming off the bench for the Irish last night, what looked like their main seven-man rotation at least to get this season underway. But the ball movement was pretty good last night. They just couldn't get some shots to fall, didn't have their best shooting eye from the three-point line, and obviously rebounding hurt them a little bit last night. This was actually a pretty good Xavier team that made their national tournament last year. A lot of experience coming back from that particular team. So obviously not a Division One team, but athletic. They swarmed to the basketball and, and put some game pressure on the Fighting Irish in particular when they were on defense against that high-powered Irish offense that averaged over 70 points per game last year, held to 67 last night. But things will happen for real on Thursday when the Fighting Irish take on Radford at Purcell Pavilion, and that will be an 8 o'clock tip, a game that you can hear on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. More on the Irish basketball team, some comments from Mike Bray coming up later on in the program here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman met the media one more time before the Clemson-Notre Dame contest gets underway on Saturday. He had a Zoom meeting with the media earlier today to talk some Fighting Irish football in this matchup with the number four team of the country, the 8-0 Clemson Tigers. Let's go through some of the storylines from Coach Freeman's Zoom call today. First off, let's start with the possibility of a third opponent in the ball game, and that is Mother Nature. Now, it's not like we're going to have snow on the ground or anything like that, but when you're talking about rain and some significant wind, that can play a major factor in this contest. So, according to WSBT News 22 meteorologist Abby Wepler, her latest forecast for Saturday, mostly cloudy skies, a 60% chance of showers, windy, a high of 65. Now, winds out of the south at 15 to 25 miles per hour. There could be gusts up to 45 miles per hour. Now, let's say this. We don't know exactly what time of the day that heavy wind could occur. Maybe it'll occur during the game. Maybe it'll be earlier in the afternoon. Let's hope so. But there is possibility for rain and wind during the ball game that kicks off Saturday night at 7.30 here in South Bend. Let's hope the rain at least gets out of here by the time the game gets underway. Wind obviously is going to affect the passing games. And you also have to take into account you might have to make a decision on the wind when you make a decision on the coin flip as the game begins. So there's a lot of things to consider when you're talking about wind at a football game. So Clemson and Notre Dame have been down this road before. Now, this isn't going to be as bad as the hurricane in Death Valley years ago, but weather could play a factor in this ball game. And Marcus Freeman was asked how the weather and the possibilities of some interesting weather could alter the game plans of his football team. Uh, I just think you just got to be aware of it and understand that you got a certain plan that you have when you're going with the wind and, and depending on how strong the wind is, you got to have a another plan when you're going against the wind. Defensively, you got to be ready for shots when you, the offense has the wind and defensive and offensively, you got to be ready to take some shots um, with the wind. Special teams wise, the same thing. Understanding if you're kicking to the wind or kicking against the wind, I'm um, kicking with the wind or against the wind. So again, it, it's just having a plan. Um, to utilize the wind or, or understand that, hey, the other the opponent has the wind or we're going against the wind. Well, hopefully we don't have to worry about that wind during the game, but obviously it is a distinct possibility to be a factor in how this game plays out. Irish right now struggling with their passing game. The running game has been rolling well. You would expect Clemson to try to shut down that running game. Try to focus on Michael Mayer and leave some one-on-ones with the Irish wide receivers. Can you throw the ball across the field? If the ball's on the right hash, wide side of the field left, can you throw the ball down the field significantly 
with the wind being a factor in that type of pass play? We'll have to find out as warm-ups get underway, but obviously this is going to be something that will have to be watched closely by both coaching staffs. And again, coin flip, you might have some decisions to make involving the wind. All right, 518 at WSBT. Put the weather aside for a moment. Big weekend for the Fighting Irish. Going to try to knock Clemson out of the college football playoff picture by knocking off number four Clemson. And this is the biggest recruiting weekend of the year for Marcus Freeman's football program. Yeah, it's going to be a a great environment. Um, You know, this is what I tell them. This is why you come to Notre Dame. And to be a part of games like this. And, um, you know, the best thing we can do is put on a good performance, but um, for them to understand that this is what Notre Dame's about, you know, and, and um, you you got a chance to be a part of this in, in, in this future, in this football program. And so um, it's a big weekend for us. Anytime you can get these kids on campus, um, it, it's important for us to, for them to experience this game day atmosphere. Because a lot of kids, you know what, a lot of the recruits now take official visits during the summer and before they ever get a chance to to experience what a game day is like um here especially in south bend and so um we want our we want all the kids that come here on campus to really experience a uh, to have a great experience um but also understand that that this is what what takes place at notre dame and and again the other part of that is making sure that we put on a, a good performance for them and uh we, we execute on the game field well, a win sure would be nice as well. That would make that visit complete for all the kids that are coming here to visit this Fighting Irish football program. But, hey, they know the facilities. They know the coaching staff. Win or a loss should not alter anything with these young men. Remember, these are high-end players that believe they can make a difference on next year's football team or two years down the road or however many years away they are from arriving here in South Bend. These are confident kids, so... If Notre Dame would lose, it's not the end of the world. Manti Teo watched the Irish lose to a pretty bad Syracuse team on his visit while snow was coming down, while a kid from Hawaii was visiting, and everything turned out okay for the Fighting Irish. And at that time, head coach Charlie Weiss. Now for this Irish football team, it's been an interesting season from the standpoint they seem to play to the level of their competition. At the time, BYU was ranked. Now, since then, they're not very good. They're 4-5, and five, but Notre Dame played pretty well against BYU, played really well against Syracuse, played a really good game at Ohio State, but then we saw the clunkers against Marshall and Stanford, the struggles against California. Marcus Freeman was asked about this team playing to the level of the competition earlier today during his Zoom call. Yeah, I think, Pete, you can look at it a couple of different ways. And uh, is it a home game? Is it a away game thing? Um, is it a, a opponent thing? You know, what we got to do is focus on the things that it takes to play well. And no matter who the opponent is, we have to truly focus on what it takes to deserve the victory, what it takes to really be able to execute um, throughout the entirety of a game. And, and we can't let the opponent um, dictate 
our ability to focus on that and our ability to execute. And so, um, unfortunately, you know, if you look at, you know, some of the previous losses and, and some of the poor performances that, you know, have they been higher ranked teams? No. Um, but, but as I tell our players, it's about continuing to improve and it's about making sure this Saturday that we're performing at a high level and that's all we really want to focus on. Well, as Marcus has talked about, this is the type of game you come to Notre Dame for. It's unfortunate Notre Dame is not a one-loss team rather than a three-loss team. Then this game would be up there with some of the other big games of the weekend. Georgia taking on Tennessee between the hedges. Alabama taking on Brian Kelly and LSU down in Death Valley. It's still a really good game, but... Those inconsistencies and playing to the level of your competition has knocked them out of the college playoff picture for this year. Whether it is preparation, game plans, execution, probably a little bit of everything there has led to this team being 5-3, and three, but a chance to continue to rewrite the narrative for this season with a victory over Clemson. They've dug themselves out of an 0-2 hole. It's a shame they lost to Stanford. I mean, that's a game you got to win, but they are now 5-3, heading in a better direction despite the passing game not being a whole lot of help consistently the last few games. But a chance to continue to change the narrative, at least of this season, if you can knock off Clemson on Saturday. To knock off Clemson, you're going to have to deal with the guy that Notre Dame knows very well. Will Shipley, who the Irish recruited extremely hard coming out of high school. They did everything they possibly could to get Shipley to come to Notre Dame. Unfortunately, he picked Clemson, and now as a sophomore, over 700 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, 19 catches, and they rely a little bit more on Shipley. In the bigger games, they'll go with a two-running back rotation more in games they have under control or what we would call lesser games, but in the biggies, Shipley gets a lot of the action, and he ran for 172 yards two weeks ago against Syracuse, including ripping off a 50-yard touchdown run. Marcus Freeman was not here when that recruiting was taking place. Here are his thoughts on watching Shipley on tape. Um, I think he's an ultra-competitive individual. Um, I think he runs the ball hard. Um, I think he's fast. Uh, I think he has good ball security. I know he got uh, he lost the first fumble last week or two weeks ago versus Syracuse. Um, he's a wide receiver threat. Um, he looks extremely smart. He's great yards after contact. I can go on and on. I think he's a heck of a football player um, that obviously Notre Dame wanted before I got here, and you see why he is a, a extremely talented football player. No doubt about that, and it's going to be a handful for the Irish defense, and you know there's going to be a little extra motivation for Shipley going up against this Irish football team, a team that I'm sure he knows pretty well. Finally, we've touched on this the last couple of weeks. It's worth bringing up once again, but something that could decide the outcome of this game is if and when the Clemson offense gets into the red zone, inside the Notre Dame 20-yard line. Clemson this year has taken 39 drives into the opponent's red zone. They have scored 38 times. 71% of those trips into the red zone have resulted in touchdowns. Those are good rates. 
They'll take on a Notre Dame defense that is one of two teams in the country that has allowed the opposition to score every time they've gotten inside the Notre Dame 20. Rutgers and Notre Dame are the only two teams in that category. Opponents have gotten inside the Notre Dame 20 20 times this year. That's actually not many trips, so good work by the Irish defense. Keeping opposing teams consistently out of the red zone, but in those 20 trips, the opposition has scored 20 times, including 17 touchdowns. A couple of weeks ago at Notre Dame Stadium, UNLV, three trips into the red zone, three touchdowns. So when you look at those numbers, that's a major advantage, you would think, for Clemson. Marcus Freeman talked about red zone defense and moving forward, how the Irish can turn around those numbers. The defense. Yeah, I think Pete, the one, the number one thing you do is you shrink your your call sheet, right? When you get into the red zone, you instead of having this long list of different calls that you can make defensively, you're going to shrink it down to a couple calls, and and you're probably going to try to get more on body coverage, right? There's there's less space, um, you know. Uh, for the offense and so you want to try to get on body with those guys and challenge every route you can but you also probably have to have a zone you have to have some type of change up of a zone and then understand what they like to do in a red zone you know for 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 this game you know there's going to be any opportunity five can keep the ball in his hands you you know he will so you have to have a plan to make sure that you have somebody extra for the quarterback so that he can't beat you by running the ball into the end zone but at the same time when you do that you're also opening it up some some more areas for them to throw the ball so uh you you know you got to shrink what you're doing you got to make sure that your your guys on defense have a plan and a a thought process of what you think the offense is going to do and then you got to make a play and a lot of times the red zone are going to be some one-on-one situations where somebody's going to have to make a play and um you better know that and, and believe that your guy will yeah the quarterback dju he's a guy that loves to carry the football he could be a factor down in the red zone and just talking about the Clemson quarterback running with the football brings up the thought that this is a game that Notre Dame likely will have to spy the Clemson quarterback due to his running ability. You think back to the North Carolina game, something that the Irish had to do against Drake May, the outstanding young quarterback for the Tar Heels. And I would guess, based on what we saw against North Carolina, Maris Leofau, is a leading candidate to be that spy when the Irish need to spy on the Clemson quarterback. He was a guy spying Drake May a few weeks ago down in Chapel Hill. Did a really nice job in that role. So if you're thinking about spying that Clemson quarterback, I would guess Maris Leofau would be one of the quick candidates that comes to mind that might be keeping an eye on DJU and trying to not allow him to break off a big run, which he is capable of doing. Irish still right around a three-and-a-half-point underdog against the number four team of the country. It's kind of a feeling that Clemson might be right for the picking. Maybe they're not as good as their 8-0 record indicates or their number four ranking in the college football playoff rankings. That first ranking came out Tuesday. Surprisingly, at least I was surprised, I think many people were, that Clemson was number four ahead of Michigan, ahead of undefeated TCU that has better wins than Clemson. One thing I did find interesting the other night, 
how there was talk about from the committee chair, Boo Corrigan, who has Notre Dame ties, obviously, that TCU's defense giving up a lot of points and the offense having to come from behind factored into TCU not being in the top five. They were number seven. But yet they give credit to Alabama for being in that wild game down to the wire in Knoxville against Tennessee. Now, Tennessee arguably has the best offense in the country, but Alabama gave up 50, and they didn't seem to be punished in the same way that TCU has been. Now, maybe it's just the difference in opponents that the two defenses have faced, but Corrigan talked about TCU not being a balanced football team. You're asked to win games, and right now TCU has beaten everybody in front of them. In fact, I wonder if you take TCU's resume and you take TCU off the name of the team with all these stats and you put Oklahoma or Texas, would Oklahoma or Texas with that resume be ranked number seven? Don't you agree? Probably not. Brand name is a factor in all this. Or at least it sure seems to be a factor. Now, TC runs the table. They've got a good shot to be in the playoff. It's not a guarantee because it sure looks like two SEC teams will make it at least. And there's an argument, not saying it'll happen. Some would argue that the Big Ten might have the opportunity to get two teams in. Ohio State and Michigan. Long way to go. It'll all play itself out for everyone mad that Alabama's six. You know what? Alabama loses, they're done. If they run the table, they're in the playoffs. So it really doesn't matter where Alabama is right now in the rankings. I know people want to see new teams get in. They're tired of Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. I get it. But don't worry about Bama being ahead of TCU or being sixth in the ranking because Alabama will play itself in or out of the playoff all by themselves. They run the table, and you look at the teams they have beaten. To go 12-1, and one, very deserving to be in the playoff. If they lose a second game, two lost teams don't make the playoff, so that'll take care of that gripe of a lot of people. But TC, it'll be fun to see how the committee looks at them as this process goes on in particular if they continue to win. But for Clemson, it feels like they need to win this game. You lose to Notre Dame. Can they work their way back up into the top four? We're in November, not as much time to get back up to the top four. Beating Notre Dame this year is not like beating Notre Dame last year or a couple of years ago. A win over Notre Dame loses a little bit of its pizzazz with the Irish losing to Marshall and Stanford. So Clemson really needs this one, I think, to keep hope alive to get back to the playoff after missing it last year. And for all the people that want new blood in the playoff, you better be cheering loud for the old Fighting Irish of Notre Dame on Saturday because they might be able to get rid of one of those common teams that always seem to make the playoff, except for last year. All right, 5.33 is our time. Darren Pritchett with you, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We'll get to our Twitter question of the day coming up in a couple of moments. And 
Get ready for kickoff this Saturday and join Sports Radio 960 WSBT from 10 a.m. to noon at the new Rally House for the game day gear you're looking for, both college and pro, right next to Petco in the University Crossing Shopping Center in Mishawaka. Find all the sports apparel and local merchandise you want quick and easy when you visit Rally House University Crossings. Rally House has an expansive selection of products available to browse, ensuring you can rep your team and city in style. So check out Rally House, University Crossing Shopping Center in Mishawaka, and join us at Sports Radio 960 WSBT at the old Rally House from 10 a.m. until noon on your game day Saturday. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Twenty-one minutes in front of six o'clock on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our Twitter question of the day is posted weekdays on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. We ask you to vote on those questions. We come back the next day and pass along the results here on Sportsbeat, then ask a brand new question. We go back to Wednesday's program. I asked, what surprises you the most about this year's Notre Dame football team through eight games? I gave you four choices. Choice number one, the team is five and three. Another surprise about the positive impact on special teams. Five block punts so far this year for the Fighting Irish. Great work by Brian Mace and the new coordinator. A third surprise, the struggles of the passing game. And the fourth surprise to vote on, the success of the Notre Dame running game. So we offered you two positives and two negatives. What surprised you the most about this year's Notre Dame football team? 4% of the vote went with the success of the running game. Obviously, you probably thought the running game was going to be good going into the season. Over 200 yards in four of the last five contests in a bruising running game last week against Syracuse. I-formation, Estime is the fullback. 13 personnel. Felt like we turned back the clock a little bit on offenses. That was a lot of fun to see that type of football. Football's all about spreading the field now, but it's good to see a little slobber knocking in the trenches is something that can be effective. Was against Syracuse, against Clemson, different animal. 4.1% of the vote, the impact on special teams. I got to be honest, that's probably not something overly sexy to vote on. When you're talking about surprises for the season, special teams, eh. But it's been a very nice change. I think we are so used to being safe. Punt returns are more about fair catches. That's kind of the theme we had with Brian Kelly and Brian Polian here. That mentality has changed under Marcus Freeman and Brian Mason. It's been a very, very nice addition to game day Saturdays. And if you had an offense that was more consistent, 
they would even take advantage more of what special teams has offered them so far this year. What has surprised you the most about this year's Notre Dame football team through eight games? Second place in the voting, 26% of the vote, past game struggles. It has been a challenge, except for a couple of games. If you listen to the program this summer, fall camp, I kind of just continue to say the same thing. I'm not sure what we're going to see out of the passing game. I'm not sure over a long haul how good of a throw of the football Tyler Buckner is. I just needed to see it. Never said he couldn't do it. I just needed to see it. Got hurt in the second game. First game really didn't have much of a chance to throw the football consistently against Ohio State. Not a part of the game plan. The Marshall game plan was strange. Then he got hurt. So we haven't learned everything that we need to know about Buckner yet. Drew Pine, we're hoping that what we have seen the last three weeks is not the beginning of the norm. Everybody has to play better around him. Scheming, play calling, scanning, blocking, catching, whatever the case may be. There needs to be better around Drew, but the accuracy that I think we all see that was questioned by the offensive coordinator last night in his media session has to be better, needs to be better. But everybody has to be better for the passing game to take the next step. Winning the vote, easily 65.8% of the vote. Your biggest surprise is the fact that we're talking about a 5-3 Notre Dame football team. I had them at 9-3 at the start of the year. I had them at 6-2 in my preseason predictions. I had them losing to Clemson and beating USC in the finale to finish 9-3. This looks like a football team that will be no worse than 7-5. I think they have an outside chance for 8-4. and four. I don't think Clemson and USC are invincible. They have their flaws. The Irish will have to play well. They'll have to take a step forward in their level of play. But this isn't like playing Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee. These are two teams in that second or third tier in college football, and they're gettable, especially on your home field like Clemson coming to South Bend. Going to the Coliseum is a different story, but you've got Clemson coming to your house. The weather could be a little shaky. Anything's possible. And we talked to Matt Connolly from ClemsonSports.com last night on the program. He mentioned that their defensive line gets a lot of hype, but in his opinion, they have not played up to that level of the hype So far this year, they were compared to the 18 defensive line, which just had some monster players that we're watching on Sunday now in the NFL, Lawrence and Wilkins. They're not at that level from 2018. Not saying it's going to be easy, but all the preseason clippings were about how dominant that Clemson front was going to be. Hey, Syracuse ran for over 100 yards against Clemson. Now they use their quarterback more than their running back, which is something Notre Dame can't rely on. All right, here is today's question, which is already posted on Twitter at 960 Sportsbeat. What do you believe will be the biggest key 
for Notre Dame to beat number four Clemson. I'm going to offer you four choices because that's all Twitter allows. There's a new owner of Twitter. Not sure he's going to change that. We'll go with four for now. So what do you believe will be the biggest key for Notre Dame to beat number four Clemson? Choice number one, Notre Dame's ability to effectively run the football. Choice number two, how well Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine plays in the game. Your third choice, Notre Dame's ability to create turnovers. Four turnovers by Clemson in their last game against Syracuse. And the fourth choice, stopping Clemson's run game, which means stopping Will Shipley. The last time Clemson was at Notre Dame Stadium, Travis Etienne and that Clemson rushing attack, 33 carries, 34 yards. I'm not saying that's going to happen. That was an amazing night. Still stunning. They couldn't run the football. But stopping Clemson's run game puts a lot more on the shoulders of their quarterback. So, again, what do you believe will be the biggest key for Notre Dame to beat number 4 Clemson? Notre Dame's ability to run the football, how well Drew Pine plays, creating turnovers, or stopping Clemson's run game. I'd love to hear from you. You can vote. You can leave a comment, reply to that poll. Just go to my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. We will come back tomorrow, pass along the results, and then we will ask our Friday outright winner, wagering winner for the Notre Dame-Clemson game. We'll give you some choices on Twitter tomorrow to vote on. 547 is our time. Notre Dame-Clemson. Hear the game right here, Saturday night at 730 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Well, our Midwest family, South Bend radio stations, have a ton of great sports action coming your way over the next few days. Highlighted by Notre Dame and Clemson, Saturday night at 7.30 here on WSBT Radio. I'll have to be guessing what's happening in that game. Because the 12th-ranked Irish hockey team will play at number three, Minnesota. Coming up Friday and Saturday, both games start at 8 o'clock Eastern time. So since I call the road games off my television monitor... And my computer is attached to the TV, so I have a bigger look at the game. I'm going to have to find maybe a second TV to bring into the man cave in order to check out at least glimpse over from time to time at that Notre Dame-Clemson game. So Irish hockey on Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. Heck, you don't learn anything from the NBC broadcast, so just turn down the volume on that Put the radio on 94.3 FM or go to und.com and get the streaming feed and listen to Notre Dame hockey as you watch the Notre Dame football game. I think that is your best solution for keeping track of everything that's happening involving Notre Dame sports on Saturday. All right, women's basketball, they have their first regular season game on Monday. Irish men's basketball a week from tonight against Radford, Bears, Colts, primetime NFL acts. We've got it all for you here in our Midwest family, South Bend Stations, and, of course, tomorrow night on 96-1 the ton, Mishawaka Cavemen football. They will take on Concord on the road for 
a sectional championship. So a lot of good stuff ahead here on the Midwest Family South Bend Station. Did I say the NFL? Week number nine gets started tonight right here on WSBT Radio. Following the Marcus Freeman Show at 8 o'clock, Westwood One will bring you coverage of the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles taking on Lovey, Lovey Smith, and the Houston Texans. Philadelphia favored by two touchdowns. The stats show that the Texans are the play here. Road teams favored by more than 13 are 3 and 10 their last 13. Over under points, 45. We'll pick that as a part of our We Going to Sizzler segment at the end of the show. But let's pick the game outright. I don't know how the Eagles lose this football game outside of Jalen Hurts getting injured in the ball game. Eagles have so much talent. They added on more with Robert Quinn coming over from the Chicago Bears. I think the Eagles win by double digits. Not sure they cover the 14. I'll leave that up to you. Then we get to Sunday slate, week nine. I went back and forth on this game. It's actually one of three matchups this weekend involving teams that would be in the playoffs if they started this weekend. The four and three LA Chargers at the four and four Atlanta Falcons. You look at the Falcons and you're like, how are they winning? They dodged bullet after bullet last weekend against Carolina before winning in overtime. Chargers, you look at their roster on paper, it feels like they're not playing up to their level of what maybe they should be according to the depth chart. Chargers going all the way across the country for that 1 o'clock start. That can be tricky for the West Coast teams. Chargers favored by three over under 49 and a half total points. I've crossed this out a couple of times. I'm going to go with the Chargers at the end of the day to beat the Falcons. Dolphins at Bears 1 o'clock Sunday on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. The Dolphins pick up pass rusher. Bradley Chubb from the Denver Broncos. And they'll put him out on the field at Soldier Field against the Chicago Bears. Dolphins favored by five over under total points, 45 and a half. Feels like it's an over point game with the way Miami can put up points. And now the Bears defense a little lesser now without Roquan Smith traded to Baltimore and without Quinn. I'll go with the Dolphins to win outright in this matchup. Panthers at Bengals. Panthers playing good football since they traded their best player Christian McCaffrey. The running back went to the San Francisco 49ers. The Bengals looked like they had turned the corner and then played a bad football game Monday night at Cleveland. Bengals favored by seven over under 42 and a half. It's hard to take the Bengals in seven. They didn't look like the same team with wide receiver Jamar Chase out with an injury. Joe Burrow looked kind of normal in that game. I'm going to go with the Bengals to win outright, but I have a feeling this might be tricky close. Then this game, what do you do with it? Packers at the Lions. Lions have one win. The Packers can't beat anybody right now. Aaron Rodgers always finds a way to beat Detroit, but this game is at Ford Field. I mean, the Lions traded Hawkinson to Minnesota for draft picks. He was such a valuable asset on the offensive side of the football. He always had to account 
for where he lined up, and he could line up anywhere. I mean, don't we have to pick the Packers here? Doesn't this feel like a get-right game for them? But, boy, the way they played, I don't know. I'm not sure who Aaron Rodgers is going to throw to. I'll go with the Packers, I guess. Colts at Patriots. This comes down to one thing. Bill Belichick gobbles up young quarterback. Sam Ellinger will make his second start for the Colts. Patriots favored by five and a half. I'll go with the Patriots. Bills at Jets. Buffalo favored by 12 and a half. Zach Wilson has played miserable football for New York the last couple of weeks. Can't imagine the Jet quarterback play is going to get better against that Bills defense that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. By the way, Josh Allen, that offense moves the football. Bills will route New York. Vikings at Commanders. Kirk Cousins, the Vikings quarterback, taking on his old team, Washington in D.C. Vikings favored by three and a half over under total points, 43 and a half. I'm going to say Commanders in an upset over the Vikings, handing them their second loss. Commanders very quietly at four and four. And they have beaten both of our local teams, the Bears and the Colts. Raiders at Jaguars. Raiders favored by a point and a half. This is a coin flip. Raiders looked lousy last week in New Orleans. Jaguars have lost, what, four or five in a row. It's in Jacksonville. I'll flip a coin. It's Vegas. We'll go with the Raiders. A road win over Jacksonville, but nothing would surprise me in that game. Seahawks at Cardinals. Arizona at home favored by two. Seahawks beat Arizona up in the Northwest a couple of weeks ago. I think the Cardinals pick up this victory at home. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals outscore the Seahawks in what could be a wild game. Rams at Buccaneers. Two three-win teams in desperate need of a victory. Both teams are having offensive line issues. Cooper Cup, the Rams wide receiver, may not play with an ankle injury. I don't know. The game's in Tampa. Tom Brady's never lost four in a row. Let's go with the Buccaneers. That's a lousy reason, but that's all I've got. Titans at Chiefs, our Sunday night game on WSBT Radio. Both teams have five wins. Chiefs are favored by 12 and a half. Sounds like Ryan Tannehill might be back at quarterback for the Titans. He missed last week's game at Houston with an injury. I like the Chiefs in this game. I don't think the Titans can put together enough offense to stay with Kansas City. Not sure about the 12 and a half, but outright I go with Kansas City. And our Monday night game on WSBT Radio, the Baltimore Ravens at the New Orleans Saints. Baltimore favored by two and a half over under. Total points, 48. Saints played great last week at home against the Raiders. Ravens figured out a way to win on the road at Tampa last week. This to me is a coin flip as well. I'm going to go with Ravens because they have what I believe is a more dependable and game-changing quarterback than New Orleans. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, with a lot of help from his friends, doing okay right now for New Orleans, but I'll go with Baltimore. So that's a look at week number nine in the NFL. Only went eight and seven last week. Tried to do better this week. And a bunch of bye teams this week for fantasy football players. On a bye this week, the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys, the Denver Broncos, the New York Giants, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the San Francisco 49ers. After a Sports Center update, we've got a My Five question of the day. The top five things the Notre Dame offense needs to do to have success against Clemson. 
Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Fire, fire, rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the program, 13 minutes after 6 o'clock on this Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022. Congratulations to Lindsay from Niles, Michigan. The latest winner in our Michigan virtual double bingo game, she pocketed $700 for having that winning bingo card, and you can take part in Michiana's virtual double bingo game. Grab your bingo card and play for big cash jackpots at michianabingo.com. And don't forget to use the Camden Appliance free space in the center. The jackpot grows daily by 50 bucks. For rules and bingo cards, head to michianabingo.com. Michiana's virtual double bingo game is brought to you in part by Pet Refuge, Weaver Insurance, The Village at Arborwood, Kyle's Towing and Recovery, and ABC 57. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, today's My Five Question of the Day, the top five things the Notre Dame offense needs to do to have some success against the fourth-ranked Clemson Tiger defense. Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff from Notre Dame Stadium on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. You know, lost in the shelf of the last couple of weeks with Logan Diggs and Audric Estime having... Great success running the football outside of the fumble issues for Estimate. Came back with a strong game against Syracuse last week. We kind of forgotten about Chris Tyree. Remember the guy that was the backup for Kyron Williams? Explosive. Looked like he'd be the next star once Kyron left. Hasn't turned out that way. Tyree has become more of a utility guy. He gets his carries, but not at the rate that I personally thought at the start of the year, but I understand the direction this offense is going. They are running between the tackles successfully with Diggs and Estime. Now Tyree can, but he is known more for his explosive speed. So I'm going to say in this game, Tyree impacts it, but he's going to impact this contest by catching the football. Let's say three or four catches in this game for Chris Tyree. It would be helpful to give Drew Pine as many simple throws as possible. And I think Chris Tyree could be one of the options for this Irish offense. Four! Another thing for the Irish offense, can we get Lorenzo Styles going? I know he's had some drops. He's hurt himself at times. This guy's too valuable to have one catch like last week. Now, they only had nine completions last week, so there's so many... Only so many completions to go around in a game like that. But, man, this guy's too good. End arounds, wide receiver screen, bubble screen, 
get the ball in his hand because one of his great assets, his speed, and that has not been on display, it seems like, in a while. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Now, this is always tough to talk about because there is a balance, and that's what I'm trying to get at by saying don't force the ball to Michael Mayer. Should he be the number one targeted guy if available? Absolutely. No doubt about it. I'm not that much of a knucklehead. But throwing it into bracket coverage, double teams, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You're probably going to get some one-on-ones with the wide receivers. Can you take advantage of that when they try to take away Michael Mayer? I mean, he is arguably the best tight end of the country. You want to get him involved, but you can't force it to him. If it's there, by golly, hit him. He's going to be the most targeted guy, probably the most catches, but you just don't want to throw yourself into an interception by trying to jam the ball into a small space because Clemson's coaching staff are no dummies. They will do what they can to try to have coverage on Michael Mayer underneath and over the top as much as possible. Number two. This goes back to something I mentioned with Styles, but early in this football game, keep it simple for Drew Pine. Help him get off to a good start. Give him some throws that he is comfortable with. In fact, it should be almost one of those moments you give him the play sheet. What do you like? What are a couple of throws that will get you off to a good start? Now, I know the scan offense changes all that. They look to the sideline, and Tommy Reese explained last night they're actually trying to help Drew Pine by using that scan offense. That's where the offense looks to the sideline, and the play oftentimes is changed by Tommy Reese, signaled in by the backup quarterbacks. Pine gets the call, tells everybody, and away they go. But is there a way to give him a couple of throws early on that he likes, that he is comfortable with, that he can complete to get this thing rolling? Because it can't be just a running game day. That would be shocking to me if Notre Dame wins this game just running the football like last week. You have to take advantage of mismatches. Clemson corners have gotten better since that Wake Forest game when they gave up six touchdowns. But that feels like a part of the game where Notre Dame could take advantage if execution takes place across the board, not just with Pine, but with everybody on this Fighting Irish offense. Number one. And running the football helps this team win every game that they head out on the field for. How well can they run this ball game? How well can they run in this ball game, I should say, against Clemson? They have been able to run the ball really well in between the tackles. On paper, that appears to be a strength of Clemson. I keep going back to the Syracuse game. They ran for over 100 yards against Clemson, but by the way, I read the game. Clemson was trying to take away the running back, Sean Tucker. He only got five carries because of those read options. They were wanting Schrader to run the football. And he ran it 21 times for 71 yards. Notre Dame's quarterback can't do that. So can this running game be successful against that Clemson defense with the quarterback removed 
from the possibility of being a major threat running the football. We will find out early on how this matchup begins to play out. If you don't run it from a Notre Dame perspective, boy, the path to the winner's circle gets much more complicated. That's today's My 5 Question of the Day, the five things the Irish offense can do to help themselves to knock off Clemson. Sports be brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Tim Grau State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location, Lincoln Way, in the Twin Branch area. It's now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Legacy Heating and Air, a cooked family business. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. And by South Bend Orthopedics. Team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 19. 19- 49. Notre Dame opponent rankings next. We'll talk some Irish basketball right after that on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. Coming up on 6.30 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Again, a chance for rain and wind on Saturday as the Irish take on the Clemson Tigers. 7.30 kickoff right here on WSBT Radio. Our pregame coverage begins at 1 o'clock. Tyler Hork and I will have game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra from 4 until 6.30 leading up to... The Irish and the Tigers from a sold-out Notre Dame stadium. We'll have plenty of predictions of that matchup coming up on tomorrow's program. Right now, it is time for our Notre Dame opponent rankings, a chance for us to see how the Notre Dame opponents are faring so far this year. And to put things into a little perspective, we rank the regular season 12 opponents from 12 until 1. Or 12-2-1. Not until 1. All right, opponent rankings. We start at the bottom, and we have a new number 12. For the first time this year, someone other than Navy is 12th. And number 12 is the University of Nevada Las Vegas Rebels, who are now a 4-4 football team. They were idle after playing at Notre Dame Stadium. UNLV will play at San Diego State at 7 o'clock on Saturday. So UNLV down one spot to 12, up one spot to a number 11. 
The United States Naval Academy, they're 3-5. They defeated Temple in overtime on Saturday, 27-20. And this is just Navy football at its best. Their passing game, 0-2. Their rushing attack against the Owls, 70 runs for 224 yards and three touchdowns. Up next for Navy, probably... An angry Cincinnati football team who got knocked off by Central Florida on the road last Saturday. Navy at Cincinnati. They tee it up at 4 o'clock on Saturday. The number 10 team in the Notre Dame opponent rankings. That is Marshall. Marshall lost at Coastal Carolina last week, 24-13. And for the first time this year, Marshall running back, Kalen LeBourne did not go over 100 yards. He had been over 100 in every game, including against the Irish. 31 carries for 163 yards. God. Was held to 59 by Coastal Carolina on Saturday. So, 4-4 four and four Marshall will play at Old Dominion Saturday at 2 o'clock in a Sun Belt, Fun Belt matchup. Number nine in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings. The California Golden Bears, they are a three and five football team. And the Bears have lost four consecutive games, including losing that game a couple of weeks ago in Boulder to Colorado for the Buffalo's first win. Last week in Berkeley, Oregon beat California 42 to 24. Up next, another ranked team. California to the Coliseum to take on the USC Trojans Saturday night at 10.30. Notre Dame opponent rankings, team number eight. They should be lower, but I just keep going back to, well, at least they have a good quarterback. Everything else is kind of bleh. But Boston College is number eight, and they are two and six. Was this rock bottom? BC lost at Connecticut 13-3. Their offensive line is a mess. They have trouble stopping the run. Phil Dracovic doesn't have much of a chance right now. And, boy, you lose to UConn. It's going to be a tough last month for BC. Who will be in South Bend in a couple of weeks? BC will play tomorrow at home against the Duke Blue Devils, a seven o'clock kick. Number seven in the Notre Dame opponent rankings for this week. We go back to the farm, the Stanford Cardinal. Stanford is three and five. After upsetting Notre Dame, they knocked off Arizona State 15-14 on the farm, thanks to five field goals that came back to earth last week at the Rose Bowl. UCLA throttled Stanford 38 to 13. So the three and five Stanford Cardinal will host a pretty good Washington State football team in Palo Alto this Saturday at 3:30. So 12 through seven in the Notre Dame opponent rankings for this week. Number 12 UNLV, Navy is 11. Number 10 Marshall, Cal is nine, BC eight, Stanford is seven. At number six, Brigham Young University. They lost at home to East Carolina last week, 27-24, and the Cougars have now lost 
four straight. They're under 500 at four and five. And they'll be on the blue turf at Boise State Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Syracuse is number five. They're down a spot from last week. The Orange are 6-2, and two, and they have now lost two in a row to Clemson and Notre Dame. They'll be at Pittsburgh Saturday at 3.30. Number four in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Mac Brown's team is 7-1. They defeated Pittsburgh last week 42-24, and since losing to the Fighting Irish, Carolina has won four in a row. Drake May against the Panthers, 388 passing yards, 61 rushing yards. Carolina up one to number four. They will be at Virginia Saturday at noon. Number three in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings, the University of Southern California Trojans. They won at Arizona in a wild one last Saturday night, 45-37. to 37. The Trojans will host California Saturday at 2.30. Make that Saturday at 10.30. Opponent rankings number two. This week's opponent, the Clemson Tigers. They're coming off a bye the week before that. A come-from-behind 27-21 victory over Syracuse. Klubnik, the freshman quarterback, came in to replace DJU in that win over Syracuse. Also in that game, Will Shipley, 172 rushing yards. Will we see two quarterbacks against the Irish? It probably depends on the play of DJ. So Clemson, 8-0, number two in my opponent ranking. And they will visit the Fighting Irish Saturday night at 7.30 here on WSBT Radio. Number one in the preseason, number one ever since, the Ohio State Buckeyes are 8-0. They won at Penn State, 44-31. There was a stretch in the fourth. They outscored Penn State 28-3. C.J. Stroud, 354 passing yards and a touchdown against the Nittany Lions. Now for the season, Stroud, 71.3% completion percentage, 2,377 yards, 29 touchdown strikes, and four interceptions. It's almost a bye week for Ohio State. They will play in Evanston against the Northwestern Wildcats Saturday at noon. So the top six in the Notre Dame opponent rankings from six to one, BYU, Syracuse, North Carolina, USC, Clemson, and Ohio State is still number one. Hopefully Clemson falls in these rankings next week, which would mean a fighting Irish victory over the Clemson Tigers. 637 at WSBT. Let's change the tone of the program a little bit. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wesley off balance shot, no good. Atkinson put back. It's good. That's it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. your host, Darren Pritchett. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby! Let's talk some Irish hoops. Exhibition game last night at Purcell Pavilion. Notre Dame taking on Xavier of Louisiana. And they're actually a, a pretty good basketball team coming out of the state of Louisiana. They are the only Catholic HBCU school in the country. So that was kind of the tie-in for the Fighting Irish last night. 
The big story was Notre Dame did not have one of their best offensive nights. They moved the ball well. They shared it, but the shots weren't falling last night as Notre Dame for the game shot 41.5% from three, seven of 26, 26.9%. They got to the free throw line 21 times, made 16 for 76%. Dane Goodwin led the way with 21 points and 10 rebounds. He got to the free throw line eight times and made all eight foul shots. From there, Nate Leshevsky hit eight of nine from the free throw line. He picked up 12 points in the ball game, and Trey Wirtz off the bench picked up 12 points. Freshman J.J. Starling, his first game in an Irish uniform, one of seven from the field, had good looks. Shots weren't falling, had a couple of points. Did not have a turnover, though, in 32 minutes of action. And Van Allen Lubin, the 6'9 freshman big guy, four points, one rebound, a couple of turnovers, and an assist in 14 minutes. The Irish went with a starting lineup of Leshevsky, Starling, Ryan, Goodwin, and the transfer from Niagara, Marcus Hammond, who had nine points and seven rebounds in 32 minutes of action. Good-looking lefty shooter, hit three of six three-pointers last night, was 0-4 from inside the three-point line. The one stat that stares at you when you look at the box score Xavier, 46 rebounds, including 22 offensive rebounds. Notre Dame with 33 rebounds in the ballgame. And when the Irish go at the smaller lineup, that's going to be a challenge for Mike Bray's team. First two subs off the bench were Wirtz and the freshman Lubin. Mike Bray's thoughts on the exhibition game last night against Xavier. I, I, I like the athletic ability we had to play against tonight. I mean, they pounding us on the backboard and trapping and running around and that's kind of what we're going to see when we get into the real bullets Um, and we had a little game pressure on us and had to make some plays and had some new guys in the Notre Dame uniform and kind of learning about your group so um, I I like that you know it wasn't an exhibition team that runs offense for 30 seconds and then shoots threes which we played a lot of those you know and when you play the d2 i mean these guys and that's one of the reasons we did it they're coming at you and they're up on the backboard so um part of the process mike bray on his team's performance last night now here's coach bray talking about the debut of the big guy lubin and also having nate lashevsky back those two did not play in the so-called secret scrimmage against depaul well (laughs) You, you know, you had Nate, you know, and and, uh, and Ben. I mean, you know, Nate and Ben are going to – they're our main big guys. And uh, I thought Nate kind of got us started, you know, with drawing fouls and driving. I think he's I think he's become, you know, a little better off the dribble, making plays and then passing and finding people when they were uh, doubling and, you know, made his free throws. So um, – and then, you know, Ben, ben gave us, you know, 15 solid minutes. You know, he's, got, he's playing with the mask. You know, he got dinged in practice. And I think that's been a bit of an adjustment. But there's, you know, he can block a shot. He's long. We got we to gotta keep making him feel, you know, comfortable. Him and J.J. are the two guys that have to. And, you know, J.J. had one of those first time in a uniform. You know, he got some great looks. but And we got some great looks, as you said. We got some great looks. We're going to keep shooting them. I think we and we made enough 
at the right time, which we've been in a lot of games like that. Uh, I thought it was, you know, to escape, to give a little, enough breathing room. Um, but it was interesting to see the five fifth-year guys, you know, when when it was, uh-oh, it's a one-possession, two-possession game. You know, you're, you got the five fifth-year guys out there, and, you know, they played a lot and figured out how to escape with a win sometimes. Based on the exhibition game, and things can change, obviously, but it looks like a seven-man rotation. Again, you had the lineup of Lashevsky, Starling, Ryan, Hammond, Goodwin. Lubin played 14 minutes off the bench. Wirtz played 24 minutes from there. Dom Campbell had three. J.R. Konezny, 142. Matt Zona, a minute, 28. And again, uh, Tony Sanders did not play last night. His foot was in a boot due to an injury in practice the day before. Finally, Mike Bray on what he has learned from the secret scrimmage against DePaul and playing an exhibition game against Xavier of Louisiana. I mean, I, I mean we, we really do share it and move it and pass well. Um, the two teams we played, DePaul and these guys, you really can't run much uh, predictable movement offense, even sets, because they're just running, trapping, they're scrambling you. And so basically we, you know, you're in, and, and now they're Florida stating you, you know, where you got to bump somebody off, throw back and try and play four on three on the other side. I thought Trey Wirtz did a fabulous job of that. Marcus got better at it. Even JJ made, JJ made some good decisions when he was double teamed. I thought he was really good. And that's kind of the book on us through the years, come out, rattle them, ball pressure them, trap them, and then can we make enough passes? And then you leave guys open, can we make enough threes where we make you make you pay? Um, uh, so uh, both teams were great in that. Both of these were great because they just dogged us. And then they were up on the backboard and scrambling you, and um, we'll, we'll see a lot of that probably starting Thursday. Irish were able to pick up 18 points off Xavier turnovers last night. Only two fast break points for the Fighting Irish. And of the 67 points that the Irish scored, 18 came from the Notre Dame bench. And that was led by Trey Wirtz with 12 points on five of six shooting from the field. Also picked up four rebounds with a couple of assists and a steal. Well, the Irish play for real a week from tonight, 8 o'clock tip against Radford at Purcell Pavilion. Of course, you can hear that game and every Fighting Irish game on WSBT Radio before each contest, a 30-minute pregame show here on WSBT Radio. Marcus Freeman show coming up in about 15 minutes. But coming up next, let's talk sports wagering. We Going to Sizzler is on the way from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 